Hello, welcome to episode 12 of Retrieving Reason podcast. I'm Kelly Fitzsimmons Burton. Thank you for joining me. In the last episode, we completed a four-part discussion of reason in its use, or reasoning. We discussed the formative, critical, interpretive, and constructive uses of reason. This is both how we do reason and how we ought to reason better, where we could do better. So we talked about uh, the virtues of epistemology. In an episode, we talked about proto-epistemology. I think that was episode three. Today, we will start a four-part series on reason in us, or rationality, and how reason is an aspect of human nature. In the upcoming episodes, we will look at how reason is natural, ontological, transcendental, and fundamental. And that will be the... uh, parts uh, that we go over for reason in us. Just as in the prior four episodes, we contrasted reasoning with non-reasoning. So in the next four episodes, we want to contrast what is rational with what is non-rational. I'm going to be careful not to contrast rational with irrational because on the level of human nature, humans are never irrational. Merriam-Webster has, ser- has several entries for irrational, and I want to read a few of them. Uh, so it begins with saying it's not rational. Now we could take that in two ways. Not rational is such as lacking usual or normal mental clarity or coherence. So that's saying something about the person, and I think it's saying something about their use of reason. They're not using it. So this is probably uh, non-use or not using it all the way. The second definition of not rational is not endowed with reason or understanding. And so we wouldn't want to say that about a person because, uh, as we're going to find out, reason is natural means it's an aspect of human nature. It's the essence of human nature. So to say someone is irrational in this sense, that they're not endowed with reason or understanding, would say that they're no longer human or they're non-human. And that could lead to bad things like dehumanization, uh, treating a human as a non-human. So I don't want to use the word irrational. I want to use the word non-rational or non-reasoning because there are other aspects to our nature besides rationality. And so we may be operating not uh, with reason in the forefront, such as we could be operating out of our emotions or we can just be exerting our will without thinking it through. So we want to see what is... uh, reason in us. How is reason an aspect of human nature? Uh, Aristotle says we are rational animals. So rational has to do with how we think. Remember we talked about that. Uh, I'll bring this up again. But animals has to do with our our body, our sensations. And so um, there may be an implication here that there are animals that are not rational. But that's another conversation. Let's go back to talking about reason 
and reason in us. Reason is the logos in us. Logos is a rich term that uh, has a long history in Greek philosophy and in Christian philosophy. Logos is the word or the account or reason. And in humans, this logos is the capacity to understand. And all humans have the capacity to understand. The difference between us is the exercise of the capacity. So we may not be exercising our reason to the same level. And even in our own life, we may not exercise our reason to the same level in the same hour, the same half hour, the same five minutes. Okay, so reason in us is uh, the capacity to understand. There's also a logos in the world that philosophers have talked about, and that logos in the world is the order or the uh, that which may be understood. So we have the tool for understanding, and we understand what is out there to be understood. That will come up again when we talk about reason is ontological. Reason has to do with being. Reason is the primary means or uh, the virtue that we have for our nature. It's the primary means or the, the uh, way we get understanding. So the goal for humans is to know, to have knowledge, knowledge of the most important things, and reason is the tool that allows us to do that. So it has to do with our, our telos or the end or the good. Uh, the good of our nature. So we're rational beings and that reason has a goal and the goal is knowledge. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit more too. So if you were to ask what is reason for, what how would you answer that? What is reason's goal? What's the purpose of it? How would you answer that question? Let me remind you of a few other things we've talked about. When I say reason, I'm talking about the laws of thought. Remember the laws of thought. Reason is used to form concepts, judgments, and arguments, which are the forms of all thought. And if we use reason well, we arrive at meaning, truth, knowledge, understanding, and ultimately wisdom. Do you desire these things? Do you need them? Do you need them more than anything else? So think about those things as we talk about reason in us. It's uh, something we're born with and it's something we need to use. Uh, it's the most important aspect of our nature, I would say. Reason is natural. We are born with it. Reason is not based on culture. It is not conventional like words are. We make words up, but we didn't make reason up. Aristotle may have written down the laws of thought, but he did not invent the laws of thought. Rather, he discovered them. There is no male reason and female reason. There may be different assumptions from which we reason, but reason in itself and its formative use is the same for all thinkers. 
So we don't have to have uh, divisions over this between young people and old people, male and female. Uh, what about cultural, different cultures? There's no Western and non-Western reason. The laws of thought and the use of reason is universal among all people for all time. This is why we can learn different languages. Concepts are universal. Words are conventional signs that communicate concepts. So we make up words, we don't make up concepts. We, just, we grasp them. We grasp them from what is there. That reason is natural, is what allows for us to understand the past. Reason is the same for Solomon, Socrates, and Sartre. It's why you can understand me now. Reason is the same in all people in all times. Now, that reason is natural, is hopeful for human communication and for public discourse. It is the basis for common ground. You have the laws of thought as a standard and so do I. It's clear to reason when one of us contradicts ourselves. It's clear to reason that contradictory statements cannot both be true in the same respect and at the same time. We need common ground for discourse. And reason, the laws of thought, provides part of that common ground. I have spoken about common ground elsewhere, so uh, look it up on my, on my website, on my YouTube channel. Yet, common ground is not neutral ground. This is why some people hesitate when we talk about reason is natural. Is that, are you saying that reason is uh, neutral? No, it's common but not neutral insofar as, if you recall the interpretive use of reason, we always interpret our experience in light of our basic beliefs. Everyone has basic beliefs, so none of us are neutral with respect to the use of reason. That's why we need the critical use of reason. Remember, the critical use of reason is the ability to test our assumptions for meaning and logical coherence. If a basic belief is logically incoherent or contradictory, it must be shown and it ought to be rejected. Too often, people would rather reject the laws of thought than reject their contradictory and, therefore, meaningless assumptions. Often, in the name of neutrality and when one is blind to their assumptions, what should be a conversation had in the public sphere is silenced. For example, if reason leads to God... Should free speech allow for discussion of God, say, in an ethics class, in a public college classroom? Can we talk about God if reason leads to God? Or should consideration of God be ruled out in the name of neutrality when, in fact, it is in favor of naturalistic secularism, an assumption, often an unproven assumption, what if reason shows the contradictory nature of naturalism? Should we then rule out naturalism from the college classroom? Or, let me give a, an alternative, would a better way be 
to freely allow argument to happen and allow professors and students to follow the argument to where reason leads us. Reason is common ground, but it is not neutral ground. We should allow people to use reason and argue about things that appear to be controversial. We should not shy away from reason when it leads to controversial conclusions. Nobody is neutral in their basic beliefs and their interpretation. It's best to come to terms with this reality and we can attempt to be objective and we can have a genuine concern for consciousness of our assumptions and consistency with our assumptions. And where there's inconsistency or where we see contradictions, we should be willing to make corrections in our thinking. So again, we come back to that normative sense of the use of reason. We ought to be willing to change. Here's where the ethics of belief comes in. When faced with contradictory or meaningless assumptions, we ought to be willing to reject the assumptions and not, not reject reason. For if we reject reason, we also reject meaning and the possibility of an objectively meaningful existence. And you can fight me on that if you want to, but you've got to be committed to reason and common ground in order to fight me. In addition, we will probably resort to appeal to emotion, non-reason, or force, non-reason, to silence the one who is committed to reason, perhaps in the form of a lawsuit. We have two ways before us, based upon the kinds of beings that we are. We can be committed to reason and find meaning, which is what we need and what we want, or we can reject reason and find less and less meaning until we spiral into meaninglessness. And why would we do that? Because we like to cling to our assumptions and uh, if reason has shown those assumptions to be meaningless, we're clinging to them because we like them based on our feelings, not based on reason. Okay, where have we been? We've been talking about reason is natural. It is not cultural. It is not conventional. This is where we need to learn to be a little bit bold and say, uh, no, I'm not using Western reason no, it doesn't depend on where you were born or when you were born. We're all rational beings. And this is good news for us. We all have uh, the same essential nature. This is what is the source of human dignity for human beings. And with that comes another moral obligation. We ought to treat one another as having the capacity to reason and the responsibility to reason. So if you think I'm wrong, you should provide a counter argument rather than resort to an emotional appeal or to the use of force. So what have we talked about today? We started a four-part series on reason in us. We're talking about one uh, aspect of that Reason is natural, it is an aspect of human nature. 
All of us have it. And because we do, it's the source of common ground. And because it's common ground, it should be the means by which we have difficult conversations in the public sphere, including the public classroom. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Um, next time we'll talk about reason is ontological. So reason is going to be not just the laws of thought, but also the laws of being. This is so exciting. This is like one of my favorite topics. Reason is ontological. All right. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Talk to you next time.